Welcome to the Renew Theology Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Bethany. We're two millennial women who enjoy discussing God's Word and how it applies to our lives. We believe in seeking to be rooted and established in the Word and allowing its truth to penetrate every area of our lives. Hi, friends. Welcome to the podcast. Um, A couple of weeks ago on the podcast, we discussed the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and some of their differences. After recording that episode, we decided we should probably do an episode on the Gospel message itself and the theology that goes along with it. The Gospel may be a simple concept to some and complex to others. In a way, that's part of the beauty of Christianity. It is simultaneously simple enough to be taken to heart by a child, and yet men have spent their lives learning about and sorting the nuances of the scriptures. Today we're going to offer a basic explanation of what the gospel is, then we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the gospel, the cost of following Christ, false expressions of the gospel, and more. So without further ado, here we go. So the word used in the Greek New Testament for gospel is euangelion. The eu means good and angelion means announcement or news. When Jesus began his ministry in the Middle East, he went around proclaiming the euangelion or good news of God's kingdom. And then later, the gospel authors wrote about how Jesus came and proclaimed God's kingdom. That is his way of life. Um, And then died for the sins of the world and rose again on the third day. So in a nutshell, that's the gospel message. Let's back up for a moment and get some clarity on the gospel message. God created this world and the people in it with the intention of humans being in right relationship with God. Unfortunately, and inevitably, mankind chose to disobey God, which opened the door to sin, evil, and wrongdoing into the world. Because this door was opened, every person on earth is born with an inclination to do things their own way, being contrary to God's word. Because humans have broken God's law, we cannot have a right relationship with him. This situation is tragic. We, because of our choices, cannot have an open and loving relationship with God. He is holy and good and cannot compromise his justice by ignoring our sin. God would later set aside the nation of Israel to be his chosen people, the people who he would bring back into right relationship with him by requiring them to make sacrifices to him regularly. Um, And this was because that The penalty of sin is death, but he allowed them to sacrifice animals instead of humans. Unfortunately, this was not a sustainable solution for Israel. It dealt with the sin once it happened, but they were still inclined to walk away from God. This shows that sin is a heart issue, not an actions issue. Every sin that we physically do stems from a heart that is contrary to God. Later, God came to earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. He was prophesied about from the beginning of the Old Testament, and if you want to hear about this, you can check out our two episodes on the fulfilled messianic prophecies. And he came to save humans from their sins. He did this because he did not deserve to die. Jesus was the only man to ever be sinless, meaning that he was the only man on earth who did not have a broken relationship with God. Because of this, he chose to take the punishment for everyone else's sins. He was able to do this because he didn't sin himself. In Jesus' death, God did not overlook our sins or say that they weren't a big deal. He didn't just decide that he loved us too much to let a petty thing like sin stand in the way of our relationship with him. He does love us, which is why he chose to come on earth to die for us, but his justice still needed to be fulfilled. And this was fulfilled by Jesus Christ and his death on the Roman cross. 
three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Over 500 people saw him at different times walking around, talking, and even eating. He remained on the earth for 40 more days, then ascended into heaven. In rising from the dead, he actually overcame the very penalty for sin, which is death. Because he made this sacrifice for us, all we need to do to be restored into right relationship with God is to accept the gift of his sacrifice and make him the ruler of our lives, giving up our own sinful desires, which are naturally in contrast to God's, and do what God wants us to do instead, which is what we were originally created to do. So in summary, God is the gospel. We are under the wrath of God and God saves us from his wrath. The gospel can be compared to a drama being played out in four parts. First, the song of creation. God created us and we are his. Second, the fall means that the singing has stopped. Mankind has acted in rebellion to its creator. Third, the process of redemption means that creation will sing again. Mankind was in need of a savior and God's son came to rescue us from the condemnation of our sins. Finally, the song for eternity. One day we will be delivered from the very presence of sin. And that summary was so eloquently put by a Bible teacher in our lives. So the world's perspective on the gospel is quite interesting. Um, The pillar of the gospel message is Jesus Christ and what he has done for the world. Unfortunately, many people have rejected Jesus. John 15 verses 18 through 19 speaks of the world's response to Jesus and his words. It says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would not love you as its own, but because you are not of the world. But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The Holy Spirit must make hearts sensitive to God's calling in order for the seed of the gospel to take root in someone's heart. The gospel itself has experienced many revivals throughout history in different times and places. Different factors, such as time and place, have made an impact on how the gospel is viewed outside of the church. There are many ways to talk about the gospel. Today, there seems to be a been-there-done-that perspective in North America. Sure, I grew up going to church, got saved, and now I'm older, and approached life from a realistic perspective like an adult. That seems to be the mindset of a lot of people. Unfortunately, this often happens when the gospel doesn't take root in someone's life and the message itself doesn't actually change the way that they live. It's viewed as nothing more than a free pass out of hell. If you want to know more about the common modern view of Christianity, you can check out our episode on moralistic therapeutic deism. This self-help distortion of the gospel has arisen from popular media and former Christians who have had a hard time reconciling our modern culture's trends with scripture. The good news has become cheapened, diluted, and polluted. Because of this, much of the mainstream understanding of the gospel isn't quite right, has many different versions, and has lost much of its power. Over the years, teachers in the faith have strived to explain the gospel. We're going to discuss some of these views, that is, the ones that are in agreement with the Bible's definition of salvation through Christ by faith alone. Um, So we're not going to discuss any heresy. Maybe future episodes. Heresy (laughs) can be fun. So scholar, theologian, and former Anglican bishop N.T. Wright says that we must learn how to say the gospel in different ways because of the changing times. The good news cannot be received unless it is presented in the language of the people. Of course, this requires some thinking, but that's a good thing. 
N.T. Wright points out that the gospel is simply the good news that God has done the very thing he promised for hundreds of years to do. The startling nature of the announcement of good news is especially apparent when you consider the environment Jesus brought this message to. A weary nation, desperate for deliverance from oppression, who had been told to look for a Messiah for hundreds of years. Of course, Jesus extended his invitation of eternal life beyond just Israel, and everyone is invited to discover him for themselves and live according to the truth of God, which was the plan for the Israelites to carry out for the rest of the world from when Abraham was first chosen by God. Jesus is the central character in the Christian faith. Everything points to and hinges on his death and resurrection. The Bible tells its audience to give up their own way of doing things because Jesus' way is better. After all, it's how things were supposed to be done all along. This is repentance, giving up our way of doing things and choosing instead to do things God's way. When we are sharing the gospel, we must emphasize Jesus' death, which paid for our sins, and the resurrection, which is the promise of eternal life and and the unending kingdom of God. The cross is the climax of Jesus' kingdom work. The sign that was posted on the cross as Jesus hung dying could not have been more true when it bore the words, Jesus, King of the Jews. John Piper explains the gospel by highlighting six main points. First, it is a plan from eternity. Second, it's an event in history. The event is that Christ died. Third, is that an achievement in and through that event. Something happened between the Son and the Father. Namely, sins were paid for and righteousness completed. A perfect obedience was achieved and a perfect guilt offering paid. Number four, that achievement is extended in an offer to the world that is free in faith alone. Number five, application of that achievement to me. By faith, I am forgiven and justified. And number six, that all of this brings us to God. That's the point. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. The point is that we might be reconciled to God. Finally, we have Tim Keller's perspective on the gospel. He draws a contrast between traditional religion and true Christianity. Traditional religion says, I give God a good record, and in response, he blesses me. This allows people to be their own savior. Their words, actions, and thoughts have an impact on their reputation with God. This perspective is what produces Pharisees, the religious leaders of the New Testament, whom Jesus rebuked harshly. True Christianity says, God gives me a good record in Christ Jesus, not myself, as a free gift, and I only receive this gift when I can admit that I'm a moral failure and repent. God gives me this acceptance and the ability to live for him out of gratitude and worship, not in order to earn anything. This perspective requires humility for people who have been saved by faith because we get no glory for our salvation. It is Christ who has justified me before God, not my performance. Keller sums it up like this, many times and in many ways. Jesus lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in order that we might live for him. To go into more detail, the gospel says you're a sinner, you don't live up to your own standards, you have failed, and you're a moral failure. Salvation only belongs to people who admit their moral failures. Jesus came in human weakness, emptying himself, and died on the cross. He says that his salvation is for the weak people, the humble people, the ones who admit that they're no better than anyone else. If you have a grace narrative, the reason you can look yourself in the mirror, the reason you can know that you have significance is because Jesus died for me. 
even though I'm a sinner. Because Jesus paid the same price for every person, we can't feel superior to anybody, no matter what we think of how their performance is compared to ours, positive or negative. The grace narrative simply takes away the superiority and removes that slippery slope that leads from superiority to separation to caricature to passive then active oppression. Instead of superiority, you instead have a body of believers who just love each other and see each other as saved sinners just like themselves. Often, Christians operate out of the moral performance narrative instead of the grace narrative. But we don't have to have this performance mindset because we have the gospel. When we really understand the grace narrative, we see a man dying on the cross for his enemies who prays for the forgiveness of his enemies as he's dying. If that's at the very center of your life, the temptation of the superiority complex loses its power. The grace narrative changes the motives for our actions from being ones of a desperation for love, affirmation, and success to being motivated by God's actions on our behalf in the past and present and his promises for the future. If you've been caught up in the performance narrative or the been there, done that attitude, you don't need less Christianity. You need real Christianity, which is relying on Jesus to save you instead of your own merit. This is a continuous decision that requires reminding yourself or preaching the gospel to yourself daily. It takes a lifetime to truly understand how this is lived out in every area of your life. Our adult Sunday school teacher says that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day or we lose it and start living again in legalism. It's really, a, a, it really is a lifelong journey to figure out how to do that. And right now I'm just figuring out like the daily part. And how that's so important to just remind myself, like, it's not because of you. The things that you do today today do not determine how much God loves you. Because we're so prone to the legalism and laws and doing our best. church we have lots of phrasing that is normal for those of us who were raised in the church but we often forget about those who are unfamiliar with these terms we came up with a list of phrases that usually refer to following jesus's way of life Um, one of them is asking jesus into your heart got born again Uh, made jesus the lord of your life gave your life to christ got religion asked jesus to be your forever friend All of these sayings have a basis in correct theology, but sometimes they can be confusing. When we say that you have asked Jesus into your heart, we are referring to the fact that Jesus promised to dwell in each of the disciples by way of his Holy Spirit once he ascended into heaven. Being, quote, born again comes from Jesus discussing the way of salvation with Nicodemus, a Jewish leader and skeptic of Jesus, later turned follower. We make Christ the Lord of our lives because he is a king, and we do things his way instead of ours. Giving your life to Christ has a similar meaning. Sometimes we tell kids that Jesus can be their, quote, forever friend, and this is a great way to explain Jesus' nature to children where they're at. This is also biblical when Jesus says that he will be with you always, even until the end of the age, and that he calls his disciples friends. In a more slang way, some also describe the commitment to following Christ as having got religion. This, of course, refers to the nature of Christianity, the fact that it is a religion. And like a way of life. 
An important factor to the gospel is the very real but seldom discussed cost of discipleship. Jesus talked about this frequently, the idea that following him will cost you some things that are very important to you. Matthew talks about this in his gospel in chapter 8, verse 18 through 22, when he says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Luke records a similar teaching by Jesus in chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. And he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his very soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here today who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. We also hear about all the things that the men and women of faith in the Old Testament endured for the sake of God's law. Mocking, flogging, imprisonment, torture, impoverishment, being put to death. You can read a bunch of those at the end of Hebrews chapter 11. Jesus is very clear, and the New Testament authors understand that there was and is a great cost to following Jesus. I just want to make a quick note, too, about false ideas we have of the gospel in terms of suffering. When we tell people that the gospel means that their lives will get better, we set them up for failure. Jesus did not promise us no suffering. In fact, he said that we would suffer. The difference is that he walks with us through our suffering. When we tell people they won't have problems if they just follow Jesus, they abandon the faith at the first sign of trouble. It didn't fulfill what they thought it promised. We need to be honest with people about the cost rather than trying to get them saved by making material promises. The guarantee of eternal life and the spiritual blessing of being a participant in his kingdom is all that Jesus promised, and it should be all that we promise as well. That is a lot on the gospel. It actually was a bit of a struggle for Emily and I to put it together succinctly and say what we mean. Um, Having grown up in the church, both of us just seem to have been steeped in these things from time immemorial. Um, And it was a really good exercise for us to try and write the gospel out in our own words. I actually encourage each of you to try to do that. Maybe take 250, 300 words or so and write what the gospel is. Because you never know. There may be a time when you get to share that with somebody who needs to hear it. Um, I, I do want to make mention that you can tell the story of the gospel in so many different ways. You can see that each of these Christian leaders has used a couple different nuances to get their point across. But the idea is that you have a savior. You just have to choose him and that that will be the most important decision of your life. We, of course, are extremely biased, um, but we've made that decision and it has made all the difference. And we want everybody else to also make that decision for Christ um, because it means so much more than just getting religion. Um, It's a life change and it's a positive thing. And walking with Jesus actually does make all the difference. We pray for you. 
dear listener, whoever you are, um, because we want this podcast to have an eternal impact on people. Whether you already are a believer um, and you want to encourage your own faith or you become a believer because you listen, that would be like the most amazing thing to the two of us. Um, And we pray that this episode will help you to understand the gospel better for yourself and perhaps be able to explain it to others who might need to hear about God's plan for salvation and how they are invited into that. Well, that's all we have for you for today. So we're going to sign off for this week. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by emailing us at renewtheology at gmail.com, or you can find us on social media at Renew Theology Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Um, And if you're listening on an Apple device, you can scroll down and tap the stars to give us a rating, or you can even write us a review if you would like to do that. They are a great encouragement to us, and the ratings also help other people to find our podcast as well, since iTunes does sort our podcast based on how many ratings it has. So you can go ahead and do that too if you enjoyed it. That would be a blessing to us and help others find the podcast. So we'll chat with you next week. Bye!